Thank you so much for tuning in to Northridge Church Podcast. We're so glad to have you a part of our weekly service. For more information, please visit us online at northridgethomaston.com. Now prepare your hearts as we dive into God's Word. Last week we started a series uh, dealing with spiritual warfare. And as I prefaced that sermon series with this thought that as I have shared with you many, many times, that as you gain a closeness with the Lord, you can absolutely chalk it up that the enemy is going to continually raise the attack upon your life. How many of you understand that? However, here's the however comma that I love so much. The Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. The Bible says, there's no weapon formed against you that shall prosper. If we get into to verses that we can quote, giving us the strength to be overcomers in Christ Jesus and dwell with the Holy Spirit, then there's nothing to worry about. The Bible says it's not giving you the spirit of fear, but a power and love and of a sound mind. And all of these things cataloged together should, should equip us and motivate us to, to move on and press on in spite of that. We've been given the word of God that he holds above his own name, which is our only offensive weapon. He's given us all of the different spiritual armament. Uh, feet shot with the preparation of the gospel, loins girt about with truth, the shield of faith, and on and on and on, the helmet of salvation. And then we take above all the, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So we're talking this week and last week about how do we discern the voice of God so that we can combat the lies of the enemy. The spiritual undertone or the verse of this this entire undertaking for the spiritual warfare is that we would not be ignorant of the devices of the enemy lest he overcome us. That we have to spend some time talking about the spiritual battles that are raging around us, that are raging for our affection, that are raging for our thoughts and for our joy and for our effectiveness and ultimately for the souls of man. Now, here's the good news. If I'm a child of the Most High God, how many of you are saved, born again, know that you have heaven for a home? You can't be, you can't be possessed, but you can be oppressed. You can be attacked. You can be lied to. And I'm going to show you next week how he takes the Word of God and turns it around and uses it against you because we don't know it well enough. But I do want to say as a disclaimer, and I think it's important that we are very honest as pastors and teachers, and, and when we stand up here and we say something to you that, that may be uh, out of ignorance, meaning unlearned, that we need to come back and catalog that. And I have said this since I can remember. I've heard this. I've, I've thought it was there. But I found out this week in a study, as a student of the Word, and always teachable, amen, we need to always be teachable, <clears throat> that it does not say in the Bible what I have often said and declared even from this very stage. That at the very mention of Jesus' name, finish it with me, the demons what? Tremble or flee. That's not a biblical verse. There's no verse in the entire word of God that says that. I have heard that all throughout Scripture. That at the very mention of Jesus' name, the demons will flee. They will tremble. Let it be known that even in the Gospels, we find that the demons themselves spoke the name of Jesus. They had no problem saying that name. It's the name that's endued with the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The Bible says in James 4, 7, submit to God. Watch this. Submit to God and then resist the devil and he then will flee from you. James 2 and 19 says that there is but one God and we should believe that. Even the demons in hell believe and they tremble. Those are the two verses that we have somehow interlinked. Now, I say that because, and I'm going to show you next week, if we're not careful, we can just start throwing out Jesus, 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 Jesus. And I want you to know something. That is the most powerful name ever spoken out loud in the entire universe. 
Philippians 2 verses 5 and following, and I may not get this right, but it speaks about having, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who though he was God, found it not equal with God to grasp him. But humbled himself, even as a bond, in the form of a bondservant and a slave, watch this, so that even to the point of death, death on a cross. And then God has exalted him, exalted him, and given him that name, which is above every name, that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he alone is Lord. That's the power that we have in the name of Jesus. But it is not, amen, come on, if you're going to give him praise, give him praise. But it is not merely just a person speaking the name of Jesus and thinking that all the demons are going to tuck tail and run. That's not the premise. It's when we, watch this, when we submit our earthly, fleshly will to the power of God through the name and the redemptive power of Jesus Christ and do with the Holy Spirit of God in this life that we can stand face to face to any demonic attack and say, flee, you must leave, and he will. And that's the power that we need to grab on. Because let me tell you something. What I'm finding out to be true in this, in this study that I'm studying and then giving over to you guys is that there is a war raging. And the battle and the intensity of that battle is escalating. How many of you know that? In fact, talking about spiritual battles, uh, we're having a lot of children in our, in our, in our uh, church. Amen. That's a spiritual battle above spiritual battles, is it not? It's the greatest blessing, the greatest thing that can ever happen. And I have been told that I could no longer tell you guys that you can only have two or three. I want you to fill your quiver. Have 10. Have 11. Be merry. Be fruitful and multiply. Let's grow the church. Having said that, I want to introduce somebody to you. Uh, Hadley Grace Green. Stephen and Tara Green. She's right over there. Hold her up. Just do the Simba thing. Be careful, brother. Y'all give them a big hand. Amen. (laughs) Praise the Lord. I want to go ahead and dive right back into this. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 10. Spiritual battles are raging all around us, and it's imperative that through the spiritual battles that we're able to discern the voice of a holy God. I mean, sometimes you just have voices all in your head. Come on now, just don't make me feel naked here. Got all these voices, do it, don't do it. You can do it and get away with it. Well, then you're going to get, you know, just all these voices raging. I want to reduce it down to three voices. There is the voice of God that is supreme and superior to all other voices. There's the voice of your own heart and your own affection, the seat of your own emotions. It would be, if you will, your conscience. But before you get too comfortable with your own heart and your own conscience, the Bible says that the heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? That as a man follow his own heart, he will go and find himself into destruction. That we can't just let, quote, unquote, his culture would have it that we can't just let our conscience be our God. And then there's, of course, the voice of the enemy that is very prevalent, that is very real, that is very audible, that is very uh, uh, just blatantly in our faces on every single front. We hear it in our head. That's where the battle rages. The war in our mind is so real and so prevalent. Therefore, we must, we have to understand which voice to acknowledge and recognize and to place the voice of God above every other voice. So watch what he says in John chapter 10. He says, I'll tell you the truth, verses 1 through 5. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. 
But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep, watch this, recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, I love the wording here, he walks ahead of them, that's the leading force of the shepherd, and they follow him because he, they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. That word follow does not mean and indicate just one that would walk. It literally talks about the leadership and the guiding force. You will not follow the voice of another because you recognize the voice of the great shepherd, which is, of course, God himself. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him. They will flee from him because they don't know his voice. That knowing is a level of intimacy that goes much further than just an audible sound that we hear. Now, watch this. Here's our text, verses 27 and 28. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray today that you would Speak through me. Help me to rightly divide this word of truth in power, with passion, and in life-changing application. And we give you the honor for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. The way we do it around here, if you say amen and hallelujah, praise the Lord really loud, I'd knock off a couple minutes of the sermon. Amen? There you go. Shame on you. All right. First, I said last week, and I made this declaration, is we need to understand, if you're taking notes, God is always speaking. We're not always listening, but God is always speaking. We understand that, of course, through the Word of God that he speaks through 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. One of the ways he speaks is through the Word where he says, All Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for doctrine, for correction, and for reproof and instruction in righteousness. It is important for us to know that the 66 books of the entire Word of God, 39 in the Old, 27 in the New, is entire, inerrant, infallible, living Word of a holy God. It is imperative that you get in that book. If you don't know that book, you are literally walking out into the dangers of a spiritual battlefield without your weapon of choice, the Word of God. Not only does he speak through the Word of God, but he also speaks through the nature, through the creation and nature. The Bible says in Psalm 19 that the heavens declare the glory of the Lord and the firmament shows of his handiwork. You cannot look at a sunrise and a sunset and a beautiful stream. and a, If you go to Alaska, you can really see it. But all of the beauty and the splendor and the majesty of all that he created declares his handiwork. It speaks of a God that's bigger than you and I. It declares openly, even to the people in the far corners of a rainforest that there is something bigger than them but also we see of course in the word of God in Romans 1 and 20 says for since the creation of the world God's invisible qualities his eternal power watch this his divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that every person man woman boy or girl will stand before a holy God without excuse there will be no excuse Consider yourself flying down the road a 65 miles an hour and a 35 speed limit sign. You get pulled over by one of Georgia's finest, the state patrol. Praise God that we got several in this church. I'm praying they don't ever stop me again. But you see them and you see them coming and you get nervous and your first thing, oh, I didn't know how fast I was going. Or I didn't see the, the speed limit sign. And maybe if they're one of those seasonal fellows, you know, the fact that you didn't know how fast you were going or ignorance of the speed limit in this area doesn't give you an excuse. Let me tell you something, guys. The fact that you don't know the Bible, the fact that you don't understand the precepts and the dialogue between a holy God and a sinful man does not give you an excuse when you stand before him in that day. But not only does he speak through his word and he speaks through his absolute declaration of creation, but he speaks through believers. I shared with you last week, that we're a body. 
And that as a body, we're stronger together. We're united. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13 and 14 really lays that out, that he gives, the Holy Spirit gives some teachers, some apostles, some, some people that can preach the word, some people that are great discerners, some people that are encouragers, some that are, are lovers of men, and so forth and so on. And he appropriates those as he sees fit. It's his will. It's his way. And we don't have to understand that. We just have to find. Do you want to know what success is? Jot this down in your heart. The success for you and I is to find the perfect will of God for your life and walk in it. Don't try to be someone else. But as we begin to unfold this, we see that he works through other believers. He speaks through pastors. The word uh, presbyteros is found in uh, Titus. Speaks to that who is an elder, one who prays for, one that oversees, one that helps, one that guides, one that extends a hand. It's not always just someone that's older. Someone that may be seasoned in their faith. And then we, of course, see episkopos, which we see in 1 Timothy, which is the, the illustration of an overseer in the context of a shepherd, one who helps to oversee. That's a pastor. But not only that, teachers, if we're not learning the Word of God, and I say this all the time, you need to be teachable. You need to be in, in, a, in a study group. You need to come on Wednesday nights. You need to get in your own Bible study to learn the Word of God. <clears throat> but not only that, I love this. He speaks through friends. Aren't you glad for godly friends? Aren't you glad for people who can hold you accountable? How many of you got an accountability partner? Somebody that's walking through life with you. If you don't have one, you need to get one. Somebody that can help you along the way. I I see a few hugs going on. I got some accountability partners out here. I love this. He speaks through family, spiritual family, the body of Christ. Well, Mark, what do I do if my, my real family is not walking with God and they're not spiritual? Tell you what you do. You pray for them. You love on them. You speak, you speak on their behalf to a holy God. You pray over them and you believe God. But outside of that, you guys have a family. This is our spiritual family. And I don't know if you think about this or not, but he also speaks to us through encounters with other people. Several years, uh, two years ago now, Stephanie and I went to a D now. I've shared this before, but I, I know a lot of you are new guys. I want to share this with you and kind of give you the, the aftermath of what God showed me. <clears throat> My baby had just bought me some, some new Air Jordans. They were fly. I'm just saying. They were hot. They were expensive. I was, uh, needed to kind of cool myself a little bit because we were going to speak at a youth D now over in somewhere in North Georgia. But she went with me. Did I tell you they were fly? They were so cool, y'all. I'm not kidding. And so I put them on that night, and, man, the kids were just ranting and raving. Man, it's like, dude, I mean, they would care nothing about the sermon. Like, man, your shoes are so cool. Can I take a picture? And they're like, you know. So as I got ready to leave and come home on a Saturday, we were driving back through Jonesboro, and I, of course, had taken my cool shoes and put them in the back seat, you know, my clothes back there in the back and everything. And we drive up to get gas right at the top end of Terra Boulevard, and there was this guy. He was jacked. I mean, no doubt that man had been on something strong, and he was jacked. He's standing out as I pulled up to get gas. Stephanie's in the truck, and he's looking over at me, just this wiry, wild-eyed look, you know, and he starts fussing and the uh, owner of the place comes out and is just cursing him out telling him to get off the property get off the property and man they're having f- fusses and everything Stephanie's like going get in the truck get in the truck let's go somewhere else I'm like no I love a good fight no I'm kidding I didn't say that I didn't say that I didn't say that I thought it but I didn't say it so I'm sitting there and I'm just thinking I got to save the day so I started praying man I started praying and, and uh you know, a few minutes later, the guy calmed down. The guy walked off. But it's so funny. It's like if that's the, the line of his property, you know what he does? He goes like. You know, he just went right over the line. And so we go to pull out. And this happens to me a lot. The Holy Spirit of God spoke to me. He said, you need to go back and pray for him. And so I get to the edge of Terra Boulevard, pull out on the road, and turn back in another parking lot. She goes, seriously? She knew. She knew where I was going. 
So we went on, and I got out. And when I got out, I pulled right up next to him. I mean, he was, he was already in go. You know, he's sitting there like this. Like, you know, he thought I was going to cost him and, 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 you know, cause some kind of problem or whatever. I said, hey, man, just, just relax. I was right next to my truck. And I said, hey, man, just relax. I said, I'm, I'm a preacher. I said, I just, I just want to come to you. And I said, I just want to pray for you. It was cold outside, rainy outside and everything. His clothes just worn out. He smelled. So I'm standing there, and uh, he said, why do why you want to pray for me? I said, man, the Lord told, told me to. And so he, he's still cursing and whatnot. And I grabbed his hands. Man, his hands were filthy. And I started praying for him. And he started weeping. And his head, nasty old dirty head, just sit right here. He just, he just started crying. And I'm just praying over him, praying for God's favor on his life, praying for God to move on him, just praying for God to change him, let the, let the better days be ahead. Man, he raised up, just tears running down his eyes. He said, man, why in the world would you care about me? I says, man, I come to you in Jesus' name. I says, because God loves you. God's got a plan for your life, man. I don't know where you are and what's going on. And, man, he just he said, thank you for not judging me. And I went to pull some money. He said, man, I don't want your money. So, praise God. I said, well, I, this is not mine anymore. God's already told me. So I said, I'm just going to give you this. And I just put about 28 bucks in his hand. And uh, I said, this is now come in Jesus' name, man. So we get back in the truck. And as I get in the truck, I look down. And I notice his toes, no socks, are coming through his shoes. And the Lord said, give him your shoes. I said, Lord, my Air Jordans? Is that you, Lord? I rebuke you, Satan, in the name of Jesus. <laughs> I'm like, my, my Jordans, it's like $180, God. And so then I just started praying that he may not have worn the same size that I did. So I said, hey, man, what size shoes do you wear? He goes, 11 and a half. Bless God. So I reached in. I grabbed him, and my wife, just, she just like, she sees it all the time. She's like, you going to give me your shoes? I said, yeah. Yeah, the Lord told me to, whatever. And so I grabbed him, and, and I went to put him in his hands, and he's holding them like this. I said, hey, man, Jesus told me to give you these shoes. Put him in his hand, and, man, he was like, what? I said, I know. That's what I said. Put him in his hands, and so I'm thinking, he's finna kick off those, those nasty shoes, you know, and put them on. That joker he starts walking off, man. I think, and so we get in the truck, and I'm gonna tell you everything in me. I did what God told me to do, but everything in me, I was so jacked and so mad. I thought that joke was going to sell him and get some dope. I did. I, I, man, I cared. I didn't even tell her. I got home that night, you know, and I, I said the little spiritual thing to her. I said, "Well, baby, it doesn't matter what he does with him. I've been faithful, and I did." Well, you know, that's what I want to say because I didn't want it to be wrong. But I'm just telling you, man. In my heart, I was jacked. And I got home that night, and I was laying in the bed praying. I said. I can't believe that guy did that. I'm talking to the Lord. You know, I just can't believe he did that. And I said, I said, he scammed me, Lord. The Lord said, no, you scammed him. So how did I scam him? He said, you told him that you came in the name of Jesus. If you came in the name of Jesus, those shoes didn't belong to you in the first place. And if you really wanted to be coming in my name, you would have gave him your shoes. You would have gave him your jacket. You would have put him in your car, and you would have went and fed him, and you would have put him in a hotel, and you would not have thought another moment about it. You see, the encounters that we have with people, the Bible says we entertain angels unaware. What about that? 
The people that we come in contact with, it may look like, what if, what if he wasn't on dope? What if, he, what, if, what if he was an angel, man, and he was just going? I mean, we don't know. But the Holy Spirit of God speaks to us through encounters that we have out there, testing us, trying us to see if we're prepared to truly come in the name of Jesus. Don't scam the world, man, and hold on to what God has told you to give. Because let me tell you something. If he tells you to give something, you better give it. The Bible says if, if, if someone tells you to walk a mile, you walk two miles. If they steal your coat, you give them your jacket. I mean, your shirt, you give them a jacket too. He says, it's been said to, to hate your enemies. He said, but I say pray for your enemies. One person, pray for enemies. That's all right. Y'all are just in shock still on the, y'all still think about the Air Jordans, aren't you? Not only that, he speaks through music and worship. Consider Psalm is the largest book in the entire Word of God with 150 chapters. It's got more contributors than any other book in the entire Word of God. But I also want you to realize, as it says in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, as King Jehoshaphat was faced with a huge army, a dilemma, enemies ahead, pressing against him, easily could destroy the people of Israel. But he did a strange thing with a declaration with his eyes on God. Watch what it says. Quote, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness. Watch this. As they went out ahead of the army, saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever why do we do what we do up here why does worship even matter here we see the king of Israel actually sending the worshipers ahead because the Bible says that where I am being lifted up I will indwell them he says if my name would be lifted up I will draw all men to ourselves we can't grow this church in fact we don't try to grow this church the reality is is that we lift up the name of Jesus let him draw people to the cross let him convict let him save let him redeem and the same is true when we stand up here and sing Blake, guys don't, please know this and I say this respectfully they're not singing to you they're singing with you to a holy God he is the audience of which we sing and I love this if you read 2nd Chronicles chapter 20 uh, in verse uh, 21 go back a few more verses why were they singing the same thing he said to Jehoshaphat he's saying to you watch what he says you will not need to fight in this battle how would you like it if the next battle that you had the Lord spoke to you and you heard his voice and he says stop fighting Stop trying to win the battle. Here's what he says. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Maybe that's for you today. Maybe you're in a battle among battles. Maybe today you're sitting there facing alcoholism. And it has destroyed your life. Addiction, pornographic addiction. Maybe today you're sitting there with pride and you don't even know it. In fact, if you're sitting here going, I don't have pride, then you probably do. Maybe you've got a haughty spirit. Maybe you're like the Pharisee where you look around and you go, thank God I'm not like him or her. Let me tell you something. God will fight your battle. Stand still and see the joy of your salvation. But not only do we see him through our psalms, but we also see him through prayer as the band comes. I don't really know if we realize how powerful prayer is in our life. It is the conduit by which we speak to God and he to us. But let me just encourage you here. Something God changed my life with several years ago with Pastor Johnny Hunt at First Woodstock. Don't allow your prayer life to be a mere monologue to God. Don't find yourself just, just having a, a, a sit down at your meal and thanking him for the meal or having a, that moment. Now I lay me down to sleep. And even if you go a little more eloquent, God, I just, I just prayed for this and... 
bless this and thank you for this and all of that. And then in Jesus' name I pray, amen. And then you get up and take off about your affairs. Let me tell you something. Just like with you and your spouse or you and your child or teacher to student, every relationship, every communication needs to have a dialogue. It goes this way and this way. There should be no difference in our prayer life. As we're praying, there's a moment where we thank him, we praise him, we honor him, we question whatever we want to do, and then we stop and be still. Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. Allow God to speak back. Let me encourage you today. Take out a piece of paper and start writing what you think God is saying. Here's what I do when I get through praying every single morning when I get through praying here's what I say out loud audibly because I want the entire spiritual world to hear this all right your servant is done God speak I'm listening now what I'm about to tell you may not be prescriptive may not be normative for you it may not be something that you can can do in your life but I certainly do it in mine after I sit silent for a little bit I say, God, speak. Your servant listens. The Bible says there's life and death in the power of our tongue. Let me tell you what I do. It may seem weird. It may seem bizarre. But I assure you, if I told you other things, it would be a lot weirder. I say this. God, speak to me, and I'm going to declare it out loud over my life. God will start speaking. I can't explain it, guys. God will say, Mark, I'm going to do blank. And Mark, I'm with you in this fight. And Mark, I'm going to shut the mouth of the lion. And Mark, I'm going to do this. And Mark, you just keep giving me the honor and the glory. And Mark, and I say it in, 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 in that person, in the third person, as if he's speaking. Because I, I, I just, again, I can't stress enough. This is what God has called me to do. I don't know that if this will work for your life. But I do believe this. We shut down long enough to listen to the voice of God. He will speak. How can I know he's speaking? God's voice will convict and love. The enemy's voice will condemn and bring about guilt. When he convicts me, you know what he says? Mark, you know you ought not do that. But you know what, Mark? I'm giving you another opportunity. Why don't you go make that right? Or if he says, hey, you know, if you do that, Mark, that's going to take you down this path. Why don't you turn around and just get on your knees and give it to me that I would take that desire from you. Convicts me. But he does it in love. The enemy, however, looks at me and he condemns me. How can you ever as a pastor even think that way? You should be ashamed of yourself. Some pastor you are. Mark, I can't believe you thought about doing that. I can't believe you said that. And it's, and it's, it's, and it's pressing me down. And it's, and it's forcing me to feel guilty. God's voice will also encourage and reassure. He'll tell me, Mark, you might have fallen seven times. Just keep getting up. You can do it. Somebody needed to hear that today. But you've tried and you've tried and you've tried and you've tried and you keep failing. And he says, just keep getting up one more time. The enemy, however, would discourage and frighten you. Mark, you've done it a hundred times. It's not worked yet. What makes this time any different? You just need to know God's not listening. I become fearful. Is there really a God? Is all this just some big facade? You know you said it too. Is God even real? Does God even care? God's voice will lead God and still. S-T-I-L-L. He will steal my spirit. 
enemy will push and he will rush you. The Bible says in Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me beside the still waters. Restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort or steal me. God's not asking you to go anywhere alone. He's saying, I'm in the, I'm in front of you, I'm behind you, I'm to your east and west. And matter of fact, I'm upholding you, and I got my other hand upon you. You never have to go alone. He'll never leave you, he'll never forsake you enemy however will push you and rush you if you don't do it now you're going to miss it here's a little sidebar to that when you're buying a vehicle for example maybe the guy steps up and that's his job and he says hey this is a one time deal man if you don't get it go home and pray about it every great decision you ever make in your life you need to pray about it the Holy Spirit will never push you over the edge and force you in anything he will never place that kind of haste on your life with exception of calling you to salvation If there's anything in you today calling you to salvation, that's the Holy Spirit of God. That is the voice of a holy God speaking to you right now. God's voice will, I love this, will calm us. Mark, I know that you're fearful right now and you're afraid and you're nervous about the cancer that so-and-so has. Mark, I know you're worried about it. Are we going to be able to pay everything for the church are we going to be able to what are we going to do the bus broke down again Mark and it's going to be okay Mark haven't, haven't I shown you God says to me haven't I shown you that I'm there I'm the author and I'm the finisher of your faith that I live through you from faith to faith the just shall live by faith without faith you can't please me it calms me it just helps me to relax and realize it ain't about me producing it about, ain't about me drawing it ain't about me paying a bill it's about me trusting in a God who can do all those things exceeding abundant above what I could ask or think the enemy however the enemy will cause me to obsess and to worry how am I going to pay my bills God I put my tithe in there what now God are you real I mean this is a big joke I can't cause me to worry and worry aborts your faith It kicks faith out the door because you're worried. And worry is showing that you're still in control and you're not. Look at your neighbor right now and say, you're not in control. Go ahead and look at him. Tell him. Tell your wife. Say, I'm not in control. Maybe tell your kids. Say, hey, you're not in control. One of the greatest things God ever showed me in my life is that I have no control over anything except my willingness to give him control over everything I have never said that before that will preach somebody jot that down we're going to use that again can God really calm the storm of your life today through his voice remember he's the same God that stepped out on the sea of Galilee and he said peace be still winds and the waves settled down calmed you know the disciples said I love this it's what manner of man is this that can speak to the winds and the waves and they obey his voice it's the same manner of man today that can speak into your chaotic life and say peace be still almost done God's voice will comfort 
He's called the comforter for a reason. Jesus says, I must go and leave this life. If I go, I will send another one in my place. That word, another in the same kind, is paraclete. He will come alongside of you, and his name shall be the comforter. Why do we need a comforter? Because God knows and expects you to be out of your comfort zone. The enemy, however, will bring chaos and compromise. And then lastly, God's voice will bring clarity and confirmation. The enemy will always bring confusion. And I love this. God's voice will always bring you closer to Jesus. How do I know it's God's voice? Look at it. They're antithetical. They're opposites. One calms, one creates chaos. One soothes, one disrupts. One is in order, one is chaotic. One is confusion, one is in order. He's speaking to you right now. Do you hear him? Do you hear his voice? He's telling you to forgive that thing that happened to you when you were a little girl, a little boy. But I can't over, I can't forgive. No, that's your voice. His voice is saying, cast it at my feet and I'll take it from you and I'll make you stronger through it. Do you hear him? He's speaking to you and saying, if you just lay that bottle down today and commit to give me your worries and your concerns, you won't have to drink that junk away anymore. You won't have to try to drink your fear and concerns away. I'll take them from you. And then there's another voice that comes right behind that. You know what he said? Well, you can't just quit cold turkey because, you know, then the withdrawals and all. That's fear. Mark, it's not humanly possible for me to quit drinking after I've been drinking for this long. I'm not talking about humanity. I'm talking about a supernatural power. One that he'll say, lay it down, and you walk away and never have another urge. Mark, I can't help it. Every time a, a good-looking lady walks by, I just have such such urgency and such a, a fleshly desire. And Mark, and then I have to go and pop on the computer. And the Holy Spirit saying, you actually can live without that computer. But i got to check my Facebook. No, no, no. You don't have to check anything. You just need me, and I'm sufficient for all things. I can make you complete. Unplug that joker. Cut that phone off. Get a flip phone and shut it down. I can't tithe. There's no way I can tithe. I can't afford to tithe. That's the enemy. Holy Spirit saying, no, you won't ever be used by me until you trust me fully with not only that, but your children, your marriage, your finances, your hopes, your dreams, your fears. Consolidate it all together. Lay it at the altar of a holy God. That's what God is saying to somebody today. Every head bowed and every eye closed. There's grandmothers and grandfathers in here today that you're worried about your grandchildren. You're worried about your children. Give it to God. There's wives in here that are worried about their husband and their marriage. And the enemy's telling you, he'll never turn around. It's time. to. It's time. It's over. You've tried. You've put in 15 years. Kick him to the curb. Trade it in. Holy Spirit of God just told me to tell you, oh, no, it's about to shift. Everything's about to turn around. It's about to turn around completely. You just keep pressing on. The Bible says the moment that you pray, the tide of battle turn in your favor. 
and, and, and the answer's already been sin. It's on the way. And you are right at the edge. And the moment that you say that out loud, you abort the very thing that God is about to do. And you shut it down. I want you to know, step up one more time, ma'am. Believe one more time. Trust God for your husband. You, you want to get on your face as if he has a cancer. And you want to believe God that he will heal him right now. He will change him. And he will be the man after God's own heart. Mark, the church has hurt me. There's no way I could ever trust another pastor. You know what God is saying? You're exactly right. That pastor will fail you. Mark will too. I'll be the first to admit you. If you lift me up, I promise you I will fail you. But God just came in right behind that through the Holy Spirit and said, you don't have to trust Mark. You just have to trust me with Mark. You don't have to trust the church. You just trust me with the church. I'm the hope. I'm the signal. I'm the point of reference. I'm the goal. I'm the sustainer. I'm the hope of mankind. There is no other name under heaven by which man must be saved. And that name is the name of Jesus. The name by every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. I'm speaking to you, church, but are you listening? Are you listening? Today you're sitting there going, I want to get up and I don't even know why I want to get up. That's the Holy Spirit of God. The the enemy would say, just keep sitting there. Because the second you walk away, everybody's going to laugh at you you that's a lie from the enemy the holy spirit of god just told me to tell you if you get up you may spark revival on the man or the woman sitting next to you you need to believe god's voice you need to hear it and you need to respond and leave all the details up to him how many of you can say mark i know that i know that i know i'm a child of the most high god i have jesus in my heart i have heaven for a home lift your hands up and hold it up high won't you just give him a wave this morning and say thank you jesus for saving me thank you for coming after me when i was a sinner thank you for dying for me Some hands didn't go up. What are you waiting for this morning? Are you waiting for your job to settle out so you can get serious? It will never happen. Are you waiting for for your marriage to get right? It will never happen. Are you waiting for your finances to even out? It will never happen. The Bible says now, today is the day of salvation. I wonder today right now, can you just come? Can you just come right now? Maybe this joining the church. Maybe it's giving your life to Jesus. If you don't know him and the free pardon of sin right now, would you pray with me from your heart to God? Pray this prayer with me right now from your heart to God. Father in heaven. I'm a sinner. I believe in Jesus. I would ask Jesus to come into my heart. Forgive me for all my sin. Let's get personal with him. Say this. Say, Jesus, help me to live for you. You are the Lord over all. Save me. Help me to live for you. In Jesus' name I pray.